I got a question for you. How many of you have ever heard the word FOMO? Raise your hand. Okay, good. A lot of you, even older people have heard the word FOMO. Okay, FOMO means what? Fear of missing out. Yeah, it's actually a word. So what, what basically what FOMO is, is, is there's this anxiety uh, because of social media. If you're constantly on it and you see what people are doing and where they're going, there's this anxiety or this fear that you're missing out. So you always got to see what's everybody doing, where's everybody going. And, and it's just, and, and everyone has this anxiety. And, and I, I thought of that um, when I was up at three o'clock this morning, because I got no sleep because all our kids have returned home from college and they don't realize there's an adult time to sleep. And then there's college time. Can I get an amen with parents who had kids in college? And when you get over 50, you got a bedtime, right? And he was like 9.30, okay? So I'm, and I was thinking about that this morning, and I'm like, as we're going through this series, um, finding God's grace, making a U-turn in our life to away from the toxic things that can destroy our lives is actually making a U-turn in our lives, which I'm so glad for those of you who got these signs off of 104 for me. So thank you for those that did that. I'm teasing. We bought them. Uh, I, w- I, w- I was thinking about that um, this morning is what, what if we, what if we FOMO'd this? What if we had, had a fear of missing God's grace? Because here's the thing. I, I think we, we tend to worry about things and strive after things that don't deliver. They, they, they don't bring us any satisfaction or joy. And here God, rich in his mercy and grace, pours out this mercy. We know that his mercy is new every morning, that there's this endless supply of God's grace. What if we just had this, uh, just fear of saying, God, I don't, I don't want to miss your grace. I, I want to find your grace in every situation. And I believe that God wants to deliver that to us every single day. And so here's the thing. How do we, how do we find God, God's grace? Because we all need God's grace. And last week, as we started the series on finding God's grace, making a U-turn for your life, we discovered the difference between grace and truth. And if you missed that, you can just go to our website, grab that message online, and make sure you listen to it as a good foundation for the series that we're in. And, and I want to explain I, I, grace this way. I, I heard this story. It was an interesting story. It was about two people who um, immigrated to the United States and they immigrated from a, a, another country and, and their country was going through just severe problems and, and they, they brought uh, to the United States a million dollars worth of their currency. So you think, they're thinking themselves, oh, well, we've got tons of money and we're going we're gonna to buy ourselves a house and we're going to be all set. But because of hyperinflation, when they got here, they tried to exchange their money and what they found out is their money was worthless. So they had no money. To make matters worse, uh, they saw a rich businessman that they knew back in their old country who they owed money to. So not only did they not have anything, their money was worthless. Now they, they, they see this rich businessman that they're in debt to, that they owe money to them. And all of a sudden, um, what they didn't realize is uh, this uh, businessman, what he, he, he did for them is he actually canceled uh, their debt. And, and, and allowed them to get a job to help them to, to stay um, here in the United States. Gave them a place to live for um, the rest of their lives. And, and I was, as I was thinking about that story, um, here they are. They're indebted to uh, this businessman. They, they had nothing uh, to buy a house. They were 
in debt. There were a debt that they could not pay. But that, but that businessman who they were indebted to canceled their debt and gave them both a house to live in for the rest of their life. And, and, and to me, when I heard that story, that, that story is really a great picture, actually a perfect picture of how God's grace works. That our morality has no value to God. Zero. We don't, we don't bring anything to the table. And, and, and the currency of our morality, in fact, is, is worthless to God. That, that God desires for us to come to him with nothing and then desires to give us everything that we don't deserve. And if we don't, if we don't see grace that way, then we're going to struggle in our lives because we're going to feel like I, I have to do something. There's something that I must do in order to appease God. Now, he, here's the first verse I, I, I want to throw out. And, and I want you to look at this verse in Romans chapter 3. You can, let, let's look at this together because this is so foundational for us to understand what, what grace is and, and how we need to receive God's grace and how we can miss the grace of God in our lives. The, let me just say, God's grace is so amazing and that he wants to lavish us with his wonderful grace each and every day. But the problem is it's our mentality and the way we think. And I believe that's what stops us from receiving God's wonderful grace and, and it being lavished upon us each, each and every day. And, and you'll be surprised the things that hang us up, that keep us from experiencing uh, God's grace. And so what does Paul say here? Paul says that we were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Somebody say amen. That, that's good news. So no matter your background, no matter the mistakes that you've made, uh, by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, we're made right with God. This is true for everyone, no matter who you are. For everyone has what? Sinned. So we've all sinned. And we've all sh- fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God. Everybody say, yet God. I like the yet God or the but God because that means there's good news after that. But God in his what? There it is. God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. So, so what, what is Paul saying here? He's saying that God's grace is what changes us. We're, we're, we're saved by that grace alone. Grace is not making up for what we lack. It's not, it's not us bringing some, some of our good works to the table and then, and then God uh, makes up the rest. We, to understand God's saving grace, we need to realize that we bring absolutely nothing to the table. So God's saving grace comes through his generosity and it's not merited. I think some of you just don't understand how generous God is with us. And how much he wants to, to, to just pour out his love and his grace upon your life. And, and, and when I realize that I've fallen short of, of God's glorious standard, when I, when I realize that I've fallen short of, of his perfection, his grace becomes so much more attractive. And when I realize that I don't deserve it, that, that it's not God meeting me halfway, that I realize it's God meeting me the whole way because I've got nothing to, to bring to him, then I realize how wonderful that grace is. That's, it's got to start there. If it doesn't start there, you're not going to find that grace every single day in your life. We have to start there. So, so God uh, provides all costs for us in, 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 to receive um, this wonderful salvation that he gives us through Christ Jesus. Now, um, I've been to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, a lot of you. Um, it, it averages nine miles across. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. And, 
you know, when you're at the edge and, and you look down and, and some spots are like 3,000 feet down. I mean, I, I'm not good with heights. I'm just like, my knees, literally my knees were knocking and, and I was starting, you know, you get the sweats. You know, I, I could not do that bridge where you walk out and it's, it's clear. I would be one of those people like clinging on the floor of it and get me off of this thing. Um, but what's, I, I, what's interesting about that is the Grand Canyon in feet is 47,520 feet across. 47,520 feet across from one end to the other. And it's interesting. I, I've got my, I got a tape measure here. I actually use this, by the way. So if some of you don't think I know how to use a tape measure, I do know how to use it. For what, I don't know. But I do know how to use it. Um, and I, we could, I could sit there at the edge of the Grand Canyon. I, I, could, I could probably long jump maybe five feet now. But... The, the long jump record is, is over um, 29 feet. So I, I wanted to show you that. Ira, can you come here with me? Ira, real quick. Ira, just hold the end of that for me. What Ira does, that's what I, I, when people ask me to help them, they always say, can you just hold the other end of the tape measure? I'm good at that. So let's just go. This is, this is actually, um, how long is this thing? This is, oh, let's keep going. This thing is, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right, I'm to the end. Okay, this is, you that are smart and understand tape measures, how, how far is this? 25 feet. Okay, so, so think four more feet. This is, this is the, the, the world record for long depth. That's pretty far, isn't it? Hey, Ira, how you doing? All right, so I'm going to leave that down. I'm going to hold it like that. Ira, you can put it down. Everybody give Ira a hand for help me there. Ira did a good job. Okay, so, all right. So let's say that I can jump five feet in, in the, the world records way. You know, my feet are exactly 12 inches long, so I can do one, two, three, four. Okay, there's, 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 there's 29 feet. Okay, we're both standing at the edge of the, of the Grand Canyon. D- does it really matter who can jump further at this point? So the, the person who holds a world record can look at me and say, well, I can jump five times further than you. I'm like, okay, big deal. You got 47,520 feet to go. Okay, so both of us, if we both jump, we're both going to what? We're going to die. Okay, so I I want you to understand something about God's grace. Here's what God doesn't do. God doesn't build a bridge. Let's just say this is a Grand Canyon. God doesn't build a bridge 47,515 feet and leaves five extra feet for me to jump. What God does by his grace, he, he extends it all the way to the end because he knows there's nothing that we can bring to the table. And so unless you, unless you get that comprehension of what God's grace is, that I don't bring any to the table, it's not my morality, it's not my goodness. It has nothing to do with that thing. It has everything to do with what Christ has already done for us. That's God's grace. And if you can just get that into your mind that, that all the mistakes that I've made and the mess-ups that I've had in my past, that when I bring those to Christ and I say, God, forgive me for those things, you understand his grace. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a, there's a U-turn. There's a, a change of mind. That you begin to live your life now with this understanding that I don't deserve anything. That it's not God, uh, you know, it's not, it's not God doing 47,515 feet, me doing the other five. It's like nothing. God does everything for us through his wonderful, wonderful 
grace. And so here, this is where I want you to comprehend this because this is, this is where um, we'll miss it. Bringing your best will always fall short. It will always fall short. I just want you to know, because how many know there's some days I feel so good about myself and I feel like I do great things, right? And you pat yourself on the back. And then the next day you just do some knuckle headed thing and you're like, man, I was doing so good yesterday and now I messed up. See, that's why we need God's grace because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all, we're not going to live uh, perfect lives. I, I, I love um, this verse in Isaiah Isaiah 55 one says this. It, it, it says, listen, it's such a great verse on, on grace. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And he who has no money, he who has nothing, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. What Isaiah is saying is, there's nothing that you, come, that, that you can ever bring to God. You just come as you are. You come and find and experience God's grace. And when we come with that humble heart and realizing we don't deserve anything, God supplies everything for us. It's, it's not what I bring. It's what God brings to us. And that's what's so wonderful about his grace. Um, there's been a couple of times um, that I've been out eating at a restaurant um, with my wife. And um, at the end of the uh, meal, the server will come to me and say, um, your meal has been paid for. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. I go, the tip? Yeah, everything's been, everything's been paid for. Some, some, somebody took care of it for you. So I'm looking around the restaurant saying, who's here? Who, who took care of it for me? I, I want to thank them. And many times I, I don't know who it is. They've, they've already left or I haven't, I haven't seen them. And then I think to myself, man, I should have got the steak. Man, <laughs> should have got the steak. Why didn't I? No, I'm teasing. And, and you're just like, man, I... I I didn't deserve them. One time I was with another couple and they took care of all our meals. And they're like, man, we're going to go out to dinner with you guys all the time. We like this. And um, it's just such a, when you don't deserve something and something's paid for you, doesn't it change your disposition? Yeah. Like, like it literally, that, someone taking care of our meal, it's like, the, it was so neat being with another couple when it happened because we're just like, we, that's all we talked about after that. That other person blessed us with grace by paying our meal that we didn't earn or deserve. But all of a sudden it changed our heart and, our, and, and, and the gratitude that we had. And we began to talk about, you know, how good God is at times in our lives. And, and, and how, much, how much do we miss the grace that God gives us in so many different times of our life because my mind is somewhere else. My mind is so consumed with something else that I miss all the grace that God gives us. I, this is, I, I'm just going to say this is kind of silly, but if you're a bird lover, you're going to love. How many bird lovers out there? Good, all good allowed, so I'm not going to feel dumb by sharing this, sharing, this, sharing this with you. We have got this um, cardinal who has built a nest in our porch. And she's, um, I think, I don't know, I'm not a real good bird person, but I think she's sitting on the eggs right now. And she's in her little nest and we can see her out our um, laundry room window and she's just sitting there. And I don't know why, it gives me so much joy just to look at the little female cardinal sitting on her eggs and just her head's popping up. And, and I'm like, I told Kath and I go, I don't know what it is. That just gives me so much joy just seeing that little cardinal. And the best thing about um, the cardinals, it, it doesn't leave a lot of poopy mess on our porch. I, they're very clean, and it's just, I just like that. There's no pickup. I just like, this is really cool. Not like the barn swallows who just leave a mess, and they're not invited on our porch because they just make a mess of everything. Um, 
there, there's so many things that God desires to bless us with through his grace every single day that if we just look for it, we can find it. And that's what God desires to do each and every day. So, so how, do we, how do we miss the grace of God in our lives? How, how do we miss it? Because we, we can miss it. Um, and, 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 and the way we miss it, if, if we can look at our hearts. And if I'm angry or cynical or joyless or um, for some reason, if I'm harboring something, um, we, we have to understand that, that there's something in our hearts that's keeping us from receiving the graces of God. And, and so if, 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 if there's joy that's out of my life, if I'm, if I'm more cynical, if I seem to just, things just seem to set me off, right? If there's things that just is a trigger that set me off, there's, there's something that's robbing what God desires to give to me. And, and I believe there are things that, that we can harbor in our heart that will rob us of the grace of God that he desires to give to us. And listen, I, do, I don't want you to live your life Allowing the world to rob you, to steal from the things that God desires to give to you every single day. And it's so easy to, how many know, this is me, it's so easy just to allow your daily life to get sidetracked because of all the foolishness that goes on in our world. And, and all the silly conversations, and then I just get angry, and, and I get mad, and then, and then, and then the, the, the joy and the grace that God desires to give me just gets sucked out of, out of my life. The Hebrew writer um, says it says, says it well in, in hebrews twelve fifteen, he says this great words he says see to it that no one falls short of the grace of god so he's saying okay you, you see to it so he's warning them and, and, th- and this he gives he gives the answer then the second part he says and that no bitter root grows up that costs trouble not only for you but then it does what it defiles many and so he goes, be careful that no one falls short of God's grace. Notice the warning. He says, don't let any bitter root grow. If, if you allow that bitter root to grow, you're going to miss the grace of God that he desires to give to you. And it will cause trouble to you and others. And so it's important for us to understand. So how do we fall short of God's grace? Meaning, how do we miss it? This is what the Hebrew writer is saying. And so we may understand the saving grace that God has done for us through Christ Jesus, but we can miss living in that grace Every single day. So the Hebrew writer is saying, don't miss God's grace. So what this verse is based in is, is an Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy 29, 18. And, and, and I want you to see what Moses says here in Deuteronomy 29, 18. Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, Moses speaking to the children of Israel. God has, has given them this promised land and he's instructing them on how they are to live their life. And he says, I'm making this covenant with you. So that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations. And so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. Hmm. So, so, so this, is what, this is what the Hebrew writer is talking about. This, this, bitter, uh, uh, this bitterness that will eventually grow up and cause poisonous fruit. Um, this is a danger in every single one of our lives. Is that where we got to be, where we have to be careful. If we're not receiving God's grace and understanding God's grace, if we're harboring um, something in our heart that's in disobedience to God, it will grow and it will poison us and it will poison others around you. 
And this is a danger because if we're not careful and, and we're, we're not, ex, you know, just um, not inspecting our hearts and not allowing things to, to fester. Have you ever let something fester? Just festers in there, right? The, the Hebrew is saying, don't let those things fester. Don't, and, he's saying, and Moses is saying to the, the, the children of Israel, don't, don't, don't turn to these other gods. Don't turn to their idols because what's going to happen is it's going to grow up and poison you and those around you and, and cause you to be alienated from me. So Moses speaks to the Israelites and he's, he's encouraged them not to, to turn from the Lord and get rid of any bitter root that may poison them. Now, now what's interesting is that this verse gives us great insight to the Hebrew verse and then the next passage, the next verse in Deuteronomy 29 will define what the bitter root is. So I want you to understand that in the Hebrew culture, any poisonous plant was considered bitter. Any, any poisonous plant was considered bitter. So, so when we allow bitterness to remain in our heart, the root of bitterness will produce poisonous fruit. So if we allow this thing to remain, and that's what, that's what Moses was warning Israel, don't, don't allow those idols don't allow these things that are out of God's will to remain in your heart. Because if they do, they do. It will produce poisonous fruit. So, so let me give you an example of what we all struggle with. How many of you have ever withheld forgiveness from someone? And we've all done it at times. So can we be honest? All right. We, we've all feel like when something happens to us, we don't forgive someone and we withhold forgiveness. We feel like we're punishing them. But who are we really punishing? ourselves. We all know that. Okay. But we think, you know, if I'm, you know, they walk by me, I'm going to be, I'm just going to be passive aggressive here. So when they walk by me, I'm not even going to talk to them. Right. I'm just going to be like, I'm not even going to look at them. You know, they text me. I'm not going to text them back. Right. They, I am me. I'm not going to, I am back. I'm just going to be passive aggressive here. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to show them what for. And we think by withholding that, it's really doing something against, and it's not. Here's what the Hebrew writer says. What it is, is it's a root that's beginning to grow in your heart the longer you allow that thing to fester. And, and we all struggle with this. So, so as much as I feel like I'm hurting the other person in reality, um, I'm alienating myself from God and ultimately hurting the church. So let's look at this next verse in Deuteronomy. And this is what um, Moses said. So he, he, he gives them the warning. Don't, don't allow the bitter root to grow because it's poisonous. And then he goes on and he says, those who hear the warning of this curse should not congratulate themselves thinking I am safe, even though I'm following the desires of my own. What's the word there? Stubborn heart. This would lead to utter ruin. So when, when I fester something in my heart, when I know that I'm out of God's will and I'm doing something that God wouldn't desire for, for me and my heart is stubborn and I don't give that thing to the Lord, I don't ask for forgiveness, I don't, ask for, I don't forgive other people, what, what happens is it's, it's my heart that becomes stubborn and then it leads to my ruin. And so God's warning to Israel was not to harden their heart and the result would be poisonous if they're going to give themselves up to these foreign idols. So, so the warning in Hebrews is this. Do not, do not overlook the little things that we allow to remain in our heart that we know that God is speaking to us about. Don't justify them. Don't allow them to stay there. 
um, the, the, the word of God tells us to confess it. And when we confess it, it releases that power to keep us away from God's will. And we can find forgiveness through Christ Jesus. So listen, we all struggle with people, don't we? Uh, Listen, the the church would be just a wonderful place if there was no people in it, right? We would never struggle. We'd never have issues, right? It would just be great if it was just you and that's it in church every week and you don't have to deal with anybody, right? But it's not that way. God uses us, each other, to just agitate each other at times, right? How many know we're family? If you're family... We're going to have issues. We're going to have different opinions about stuff. But that's okay because these are opportunities for us to show grace even when we may not agree at times or have the same taste or whatever it may be. And so this is our opportunity to grow in love and fellowship with one another even when we don't see, even when we, we don't see eye to eye. And so, so listen, you, you might be struggling with someone and, and, and just admit that and give it to God if... if If you refuse to forgive, understand that that bitter root will grow and harden you to God. So don't, don't, the the Hebrew says, don't, don't take this grace for granted. Apply God's grace to your own heart. And so what makes grace so great? Here's why it makes it so great and so wonderful. The greatness of God's grace is realized when we live in it every single day of our lives. That's when it makes it great. That's when it makes it wonderful. When I'm like, okay, God, here's, here's today. How, how can I live in this grace and not allow these other things to poison my heart? I want to give you these things. And, and we're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. When people hurt me, when I'm misunderstood, I need God's grace every single day in our lives. But, but there's another side of God's grace that gives us the ability to face things that we never thought we could ever face. And it's through God's grace that we have this ability to forgive even when those even when those people hurt us or those that don't deserve it. That's an incredible, powerful thing about God's grace. After Easter service, I had uh, a young girl come up to me. She's in her 20s. And, and she would come to church with her grandma and her grandma had passed away um, last year. And she told me, we talked about grace on Easter Sunday. And she, Pastor Brian, I've got to tell you something. I said, what? And she goes, you know what's really neat about my grandma is that um, what you talked about today and about God's grace and forgiveness, she goes, um, the last days of my grandma's life when she was in hospice, she, bought, she brought multiple people into her room to ask for forgiveness for things that she did because she burned a lot of bridges in her life. That's how you end your life. That's God's grace. And I thought that was such a powerful, and powerful testimony. And what I loved about it, it spoke volumes to her granddaughter who she brought to church when she was a little girl And now this 20-something girl is still coming to church. Could have been poisonous. It could have embittered her granddaughter. But the forgiveness of God's grace not only flowed through her life, but flowed into her granddaughter's life. Do you see how the opposite is true, though? 
The opposite is true if we're not careful. And that's what makes God's grace so amazing. It's through God's grace that we're given the ability to forgive when those don't deserve it. And so it's, it's, it's this grace that God gives us. It gives us this ability to forgive when, when something even horrible happens to us. It's this ability to forgive even when something happens to us. And this, how many of, how many of us know this is when grace becomes real? Um, it's not just a teaching like, okay, Pastor Barton taught on, he gave us some scripture verses. Okay, I memorized it, got it out of my refrigerator. Okay, I get it. I'm supposed to forgive. But it's not just something that we learn in the Bible. It's not some head knowledge that we have in our mind. God's grace becomes real when we're living it in a real world. And we're living it in a broken world. Um, I read an interesting article uh, about the tragedy that happened to the Amish school kids that happened in 2006. Maybe remember that story. A person with a gun went into a a small Amish school in 2006, killed five children, injured five others, and then ended his life. Just a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy. And what they did was they, uh, 10 years later, um, they interviewed some some of those and some of the parents of the victims. And... Um, when the news first broke of it, it was amazing um, the grace that was given by these Amish people and, and the parents. I mean, it was like such a news story, and, and many interviews just couldn't believe it. How, 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 how can you do that? And um, reading this article, the 10-year anniversary, it was just very eye-opening of what some of the parents said. Uh, one of the parents said, he said, the Amish believe that harboring anger and resentment is corrosive, that it will eat you up. And they interviewed one of the fathers. His name was, his name was Esh Sir. And he said, it is so ingrained in our heritage that it's actually part of our character. And what they did was, is they actually reached out to the gunsman's mother and befriended her. I mean, it was such a story, a powerful story of grace. Um, The father was quoted as saying, he said, it's a journey. I still made that immediate choice as a principle to forgive. But he was very honest and he said, but it took me a few years until I could feel that I really meant it inside of me to forgive this man whose name's Charlie. He says, at the point... When he did find compassion, he said, I felt a great weight falling off me. I felt lighter. That feeling does not arrive if you forgive merely out of obligation, he said. He said, that's the grace that is real and raw and difficult. And I have to ask myself is, is do I believe in that kind of grace? See, it's easy for us to fall in the trap where we understand grace in the context to us because we we all want to receive God's grace and show ourselves much more grace than we do others. And the trap is that we only have a knowledge of grace, but are are we living in that grace? And, and And I appreciate 
the honesty of that Amish parent who said, in practice, I did forgive, but it took me a little while to find that forgiveness inside of me. He chose to forgive even when he didn't feel it at the time. You see, what I love about the word of God is it says this. It says that God demonstrates something to us. He, he demonstrates his love, Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So what that, what that verse is saying is it's, just, it, it's not saying that, Barden, you've got to get it all together before I'll even receive you. Jesus died for the ungodly to make us righteous before the Father. Now, is what this person did right? Absolutely not. It was wrong on so many levels. It's not excusing what he did. But the forgiveness was brought so that that chain that was tied to this past and, and, and where they could go to anger and um, bitterness would poison their lives for the rest of their lives. It's a powerful statement of what Jesus Christ had done for us when we don't deserve it. So listen, when, when, I, when I choose not to forgive, when I decide to hold on to bitterness, I poison myself. And, 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 and bitterness manifests itself in so many different ways. It robs us of joy. We stop loving. We guard ourselves. We don't trust people. We become cynical. I want you to understand that grace is a choice. It was God's choice to give us a son based on nothing we have done. I love what the, the, the father of one of the children that died, he said, when I found compassion, he said a great weight fell off him. And some of you may be here in this place and you just have a great burden and a great weight on you because of something that happened to you in your past. And it's just, you, you're carrying that thing around. It's, it's, a, it's a weight that you carry. And, and, may, and maybe you forget about it for a time, but then something always comes up to remind you again. And, and you feel that burden on your heart again. And, it's, and what it's doing, it's, it's blocking God's grace from freely flowing in your life. And some of you may be hearing, you're like, Pastor, I, I, I don't know why I just get so easily set off sometimes. I don't know why I get angry so easily at times. I don't know why it's, I, I, I jump to judgment before I offer grace. I, I don't know why I'm that way. There's something in your heart that's blocking God's grace from flowing into your life. You need to find freedom from that. My grandparents had a cottage in the Bristol Hills south of here, 80 acres. My dad grew up going there. My grandparents were educators. So they uh, built a, a really cool little cabin there, and my dad grew up going there. And, and uh, I got to go there as a kid, and I had a dirt bike, and it was just so much fun. And uh, they had a little farm pond, and we stole all the bass in our neighbor's pond and put it in our pond. Um, forgive me, Lord. Stop judging me. You would have done the same thing, okay? Um, and, and my dad told me a story because we would always take walks in the woods and there's this old 40 Buick sitting in the woods, crashed up against a tree. Actually, the tree grew up and, uh, you know, it, it was a tank, 
big chrome, like the chrome was still good on the bumper. I mean, and uh, that was the uh, kind of the ATV of the 50s. So my dad called it a field car. He goes, we would have a blast driving this old 40 Buick. I don't remember what year, was, what exact year in the 40s, but we drive it all around the fields and, until eventually it just, just pooped out and everything. So what they did was our, the cottage kind of set up in a hill and it kind of went down all the way until kind of a, a little creek ravine. So they, they put the car in neutral and just let it go. Let it go, let it go. And they just let that thing go. And so my dad goes, I remember the day we did it. And so I used to love taking walks at the, as a kid because you could throw rocks at it. And it was just, it, it, it was so much fun. And so there's this abandoned Buick still sitting in this woods in the Bristol Hills. And I was thinking about that. See, some of you need to abandon the things of your past. You need to abandon the bitterness and the hatred that you've been harboring. And you need to tell yourself, I don't reside here anymore. That's not me. It, it needs to become a relic in your life that you just look back to saying, oh, that, that's, that's the way I used to be but I've abandoned that. I've walked away from that. I've I've let that go in my life to allow God's grace to flow through me. I want you to know when you take that step of faith to allow God to do that and to bring that grace and forgiveness, even even if you're not feeling it, but take that choice, that step to say, God, I'm going to walk in this way. You will experience God's grace in such a marvelous way. And just like that Amish father, that weight is going to be lifted off you. That, that poison is going to be driven away from you. That root of bitterness will no longer be there. And you can experience God's mercy and his grace every single day in your life. And it may be a journey for you. It may be, it may be you know, just when that thought comes up again, you're like, God, I'm going to give this to you again and again and again and again because I don't want to hold on to this thing. I I, I need your grace to flow through my life. And some of you, you you need to do some act to do that. Whether that person is living and you need to forgive them or whether or not that person is not living and you're still harboring it and you write a letter and you just burn it up. Whatever, Whatever you need to do, to take that act of saying, God, I need to release this to you. But my dad always had this illustration I thought was pretty cool. He goes, um, when I give a burden to the Lord, he said, uh, it's like writing a letter. For, for, for you kids out there, a letter is what we used to do a long time ago before email and IMing and Snapchat. But he goes, it's like writing a letter to the Lord. And you, whatever that burden is, you put it inside that envelope, you, you seal that envelope and you give it to the Lord, but you don't put the return address on there. And you just say, I don't want it back. And some of you, you need to do that. You need to write a letter. And you need to abandon it. And you need to let it go. And don't put the return address on it. God will cover it. God will release you from whatever that thing that you're harboring in your heart. And so... Um, as we take communion today, I, I 
what I want you to do is, is I, I want you to, to, to make communion your, your, your sacred moment today where, where even Paul says before we take communion, the symbolic act of, of representing this, what Jesus did for us and we take the symbolic act of taking the bread and the cup, I, I want you to examine your heart and if, there, if there's something that's in there that you say, God, I, I need you to give this before I take communion. I, I need to give this to you. I don't, I don't want to harbor this thing in my heart. Just make it a sacred moment. We're going we're to sing a song that's called Come to the Altar. And, and I really want you to, 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 to look at the words and get the understanding unless you've been, if you haven't been in church a long time, we tell people to come to the altar. I mean, I, I kind of grew up in church. I, I get that. Some of you are like, what does it mean to come to the altar? I, I, I don't get that. So here, here's what it means. The Old Testament, when you brought something to the altar, you brought a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was given to God for the forgiveness of your sin. And so when you bring yourself to the altar, you're saying, I'm bringing myself to you, God. And I need your forgiveness. And when you bring something to the altar, you're saying, God, I'm laying this thing down before your feet. And I don't want to take it back. And it's at the altar that Israel found forgiveness. It's at the altar where they brought the sacrifice and they found atonement for their lives. It was a day of atonement where they knew when that priest went into that holy of holies. When he came back out and there was a sacrificial goat and then there was the scapegoat who ran off into the woods, the priest would literally lay his hands on that scapegoat and it was symbolic of God removing their sins. That God no longer held it over them. And they would have to do this year after year after year after year until Jesus came. And Jesus became our once and for all sacrifice. And so the altar is symbolic of forgiveness and healing and restoration and redemption. So the altar is a good place because it's at the altar where I die and I allow God to live through me. You can make an altar anywhere, you know that? You can be at home and just say, God, I kneel at my couch. This is my altar. I give whatever I'm struggling with to you. Where you're sitting, you can make that your altar today. And just say, God, I need your healing and your forgiveness today. And let God's grace pour over your life as we partake in the elements because it's only through Jesus' sacrifice that we can find that forgiveness and grace. And so communion is so powerful because it brings us back into union with God through the precious blood that was shed for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to pray for you today and we're going to take communion. The ushers are going to serve you at your seat. I want you to worship with the worship team and just look at the word. Words are so powerful to this song. And just at your seats, make it your altar today. So would you pray with me? And let's ask God just to bring healing to our lives today. God, we thank you for today. 
uh, we thank you for your grace and, and what uh, these emblems mean, the, the bread and the cup symbolizing your body that was given for us and the cup symbolizing your blood that was shed for us so that we could be in right relationship with you again. So I pray for anyone that's here today, Lord, that that they would realize that if they feel that there's something that is in their life that's separating them from you, they can come to you right now and offer that to you at their seats, at the altar of their seat, and give that to you, and they can find healing and forgiveness through you, Jesus. It's, 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 it's our confession of you and believing that you are perfect, that you are God, that you have done this for us, that I bring nothing to the table. That's where we find forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Let it flow in our lives. And now I, I pray f- that that bitterness and anger, whatever is in our hearts, would just dissolve under the weight of your grace. So we thank you, Lord, that you provided everything for us, for our healing and our forgiveness. Your grace is beyond anything I can even remotely comprehend. But thank you for demonstrating your grace on the cross 2,000 years ago. So as we partake in communion today, God, we just ask for us just to contemplate your wonderful sacrifice for us. In Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Amen.